TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. Joining us is someone that we haven't heard from in a little while, but is someone that is often asked about. Johnny Rabbit, how are you? Well, Ryan Recker, I am fine. Thank you very much for having me on. And it's nice to hear that people ask about, you know, what's going on. And I don't know what's going on as far as coming back. I will come back, but exactly when, you know, it's one of those things that nobody really truly knows. But uh, I will be there, and I'm doing fine. It's a mystery at this point, one of the unsolved sure mysteries of our building. <laughs> I, I think most people are still trying to figure everything out wherever they work. But you've been uh, working pretty hard behind the scenes on a couple of different projects. Always doing something, especially presentations or programs for different organizations. And I've got two of them coming up. One is this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 27th, just in time for Halloween. And we were going to do a six-hour driving tour, a bus tour of haunted places of the present in St. Louis. So since we can't do that by Zoom, we're going to do the Johnny Rabbit virtual spooky history tour of St. Louis. We'll talk about some haunted places that are around today and some that are, are no longer there and then why these places are haunted. Uh, and if somebody wants to get in on this, uh, it's not that difficult. You go to the History Museum, so you can go to their website, mohistory.org, mm-hmm. and then there's a little search section, and you can type in Spooky Tour, and that's it. And then I'll tell you about the next one in a few minutes. But uh, there, well, you know, wasn't it last year you had those paranormal investigators in to look for ghosts in the building? Oh, yeah, I've had them in a few times. And John Lindsay is his name, and his organization is based here out of St. Louis. But he also travels to California some, and I haven't actually talked to him in a while. I hope he's doing all right. But every time he would come in, they would take the instruments it would be taken very, uh, very serious uh, type of instruments. I mean, I, they had a lot of equipment, and they knew what they were doing with it. It looked all official, and then his analysis is, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's ghosts hanging around here, so that didn't make me feel any better. <laughs> they didn't find out that they were ghosts of who or any of that, just that there are ghosts? Not exactly. They try to identify if it's a male or female, oh, or they, they try to listen carefully if they can identify what they may be saying, things like that, just the sure. presence of sure. it or whatever. But, yeah, it, was, it, never, um, it never really occurred to me when we brought them in that it would go from, oh, this is a fun thing, to, okay, great, now there's ghosts around here. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, they may be benevolent. They may be watching over you. You don't know. Yeah, that's it. It could be, I guess, in a way, but you never know. But that's it. I mean, it, St. Louis is rich with this type of history. Oh, There's a lot gosh. of uh, people that have had experiences around town. Sure. On my talk for the History Museum on Tuesday morning, that's at 11 o'clock, I will talk about the Haunted Indian Cave that's in South St. Louis under Benton Park. And uh, it's a a story that goes back at least a couple of centuries. And we'll talk about the the lovely loony limps at their mansion and brewery, which is uh, many considered the most haunted, one of the most haunted places in the country, some even haunted in the world. Hmm. The strange story of Pearl Curran and Patience Worth. And how they got together, and they did it through a Ouija board. And what they did, one was lived in the 17th century, the other in the 20th century. She lived, uh, Pearl lived in the West End in Kingsbury. We'll talk about the haunted Bissell Mansion. And, of course, we got to cover The Exorcist. Well, a lot of photos and stuff to go along with it. So that's going to be Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Just go to, uh, to the History Museum website. And they'll they'll help you find the rest if you go there. And hope you can join us by Zoom, of course. Oh, that's cool. MoHistory.org is the way to yep. see that spooky tour. Very neat. And you're, yep. that's not the only program you've been working on. It sounds like you have another one coming up, too. Yep, another one's coming up uh, not that far off. Uh, it's going to be pop culture. Uh, pop culture in St. Louis, uh, the 50s and 60s. And we're going to have a lot of photos and a lot of stories of celebrities like band leader and longtime DJ Buddy Marino. He did TV shows as well. Harry Fender, when he was Captain 11 on Channel 11 in the show vote where he showed the Three Stooges cartoon, our comics. And he was on KMOX many times. Jack Miller uh, was a guy that had a TV role, a kid, kitty show called Mr. Patches. We'll hear about Bob Cotter, the gossip columnist of the Globe. Stan Cam, the Fox Theater organist in his vacuum cleaner collection, which is still around. <laughs> uh, the birth and death of a couple of famous places. Uh, they're gone. I mean, just totally evaporated as if they didn't exist. Laclede Town and Gaslight Square. Then a lot of the great dining spots of those days, Luigi's and Trader Vic's and uh, both the original and the last, New Zealand Biggie, Bayou Bell, and, uh, and more. And we'll talk about the Hawks and of Sportsman's Park and the police circus and all of the things that went on in the 50s and 60s and teen towns and up. It's it's going to be a jam-packed show, and it's for Oasis. And if you want to get in on this, it's 10 o'clock on Tuesday, November 10th, 10 mm. at 10. And it's uh, just, you have to go to stloasis.org, mm-hmm. and there's a fall 2020 catalog. Go to that and then click on history, mm. and you got it. Nice. And who knows, by November 10th, that's a week after the election, we may know who the president uh, is next term will be or <laughs> yeah, new yeah. president or whatnot. You never know. So there's we, a lot of things. Know, um, you don't know. I got to say, and the only reason I bring that up is, man, we need every distraction we can possibly find, things that are entertaining oh. and fun. These are always so fun to enjoy. And good, I'm so glad good, you work on good. these. You said you've been working almost around the clock on these programs. So, man, you've been keeping yourself really busy. I love hearing that. Well, thank you. Yeah, and it's fun to do, and it's it's fun to do the research. I mean, I've got a stack of books here. I mean, it's a, I, I don't even know how many books are here. I mean, a lot of books have been written about ghosts in St. Louis. Two that I will quickly recommend were written by Robbie Cordaway, and she only wrote two books. So she's still around. One is The Spirits of St. Louis, and the other is The Spirits of St. Louis. Two, I don't think they're available to buy, unless they're on uh, eBay or somewhere, you can, but you can get them at any library in St. Louis. And they, they're probably the the most uh, comprehensive books about ghosts and spirits in St. Louis. 
they're the books most likely to fly off the shelf, literally. Um, <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> well, this is great, and I, I love that you are still continuing. And you were telling me right before we did the interview that you were able to make it up to the museum just recently. And you're telling me, I didn't realize this, but through appointment, you might be able to still go and check some things out, the History Museum? Well, yeah, that's the, the library, the oh. Missouri Historical Society Library, uh, which is at 225 South Skinker. And I think it's the same thing with the Mercantile Library at Umsil, but I know for sure the library for the History Museum, uh, you do have to call and make a reservation, and you know you go through the usual screening, check your temperature, fill this out, ask, have, answer all the questions, and you only have a limited time to be there. It's either an hour or two hours, and that's it. And it's just a couple of people at a time. The last time I was there, I was the only person there. That that was, you know, just a strange feeling, but. Yeah. Uh, at least you can go in. At least they're open. For a while, there were a couple of months, none of it was even open at all. Right. And see, I don't know how many people actually know that this is an option. They just assume things are closed down. So it's good to right. let people understand that if they wanted to or looking for something to do, this is an option for them. So that's always it really uh, good. Is. Uh, so John and with Brandon, the winter coming up, not as much stuff to do outside, so go inside to some of these places that uh, aren't heavily occupied. Right. Except by ghosts, maybe. <laughs> Johnny right, Rabbit. You, it's great presentations coming up, two of which you can find, and it's really easy to just look them up on your computer, mohistory.org or stloasis.org, two places, and you can just look up their schedule there and visit virtually for those two tours. Johnny Rabbit, thank you so much for coming on to Overnight America. Thank you, Ryan, very much. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line on Overnight America, KMOX. St. Louis's weather station, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. For a couple more minutes, we're live until 2 o'clock. And then after that, looks like you're going to have yourselves a wild week. And every day this week, starting at 8 o'clock, Thursday is going to be a special show because it's our Halloween special with... A look back to 1981 in Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular, one of his very, very favorite times of the year. And when, if you listen to the Jim White special, you know that he loves Halloween, uh, the documentary I put together. If you want to go listen to that, uh, it's in the uh, podcast section of KMOX.com, but better yet, just go to my Facebook page. I have it pinned to the top. It'll be the first thing you see if you go to Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. Very easy for you to find it on there. 314-436-7900. I'm putting the final touches on that radio special right now, by the way. I am so excited to uh, bring it to you. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And the nice thing is it's going to be three hours of something that's non-political. It's just them talking about, uh, you know, Jim White stuff. It's almost like hopping into a time capsule. I saw this online from The Blaze. They did a write-up on Matthew McConaughey's appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. Joe Rogan is uh, popular, to say the least. Extremely popular would be a more accurate way to describe Joe Rogan, mostly because Joe Rogan is someone, oops, someone that moved on to... Um, He's someone that moved on to doing podcasts for Spotify, which is mostly known for their music. Spotify, also a very popular platform for podcasts now. But still, uh, what he what was $100 million or something like that for him to go over there. And he's doing these interviews. And they were worried that he would bring too much edge to the people of Spotify because there's people internally that didn't like the idea of him talking about certain things that 
are looked at as controversial to others. But it's amazing how just in general free discussion, free thought could be controversial to some people. Well, he brought on Matthew McConaughey. One of the interesting things about Matthew McConaughey was I didn't realize he is someone that would openly talk about the Bible. This is kind of a, a news to me. You don't see a lot of people in Hollywood that are openly advocating reading your Bible. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. That's impressive. He talked about that, and he also talked about Hollywood in the way that people look at you strange if you say it in public because they're afraid that the other people around them may not be too kind to them when it comes to it. Now, I listened to this, and I think we are good to go, but uh, Producer Ben, just be very careful. Listen carefully in case I miss something because in the podcast realm, they swear, but when I listened to this, I didn't hear anything. So hopefully they're not swearing when they're talking about the Bible, right? But some podcasts are like that. I want to give you an excerpt between Joe Rogan and Matthew McConaughey, and I, I kind of had a couple of thoughts on it. You know what the Latin root of religion is? Re-legare. And legare means to bind together. Re means again. Well, in a world that's saying I'm only spiritual because I want unity, that's exactly what religion means. We bastardized the, the meaning of it over time, and we've excluded people, and we've corporatized it and such. But yes, I am religious. Um, that character, you know, I had written stories. I'd written a college paper called John Wayne Goes West, and it was about how, do you, how, do you, how can you be a believer in a world of science? And I remember writing things like during the making of that movie, like, Science is the practical pursuit of God. Um, the two are not exclusive. Uh, they, 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 they dance together. They're, they're, they, they go together, um, belief and science. And I never saw those as contradictions. And that's part of what the reason I attacked that role and became a part of that, that movie. I wanted to play a person that had that point of view. All right, so you talk about the movie Contact, and I haven't seen that in so long. The whole segment was kicked off by Joe Rogan mentioning he rewatched that and enjoyed it. He forgot about how good that movie was. So he starts uh, to talk about science and the Bible in the sense that and the thing is, you're not going to get your theology from Matthew McConaughey. You're not going to look at him and look at him as some sort of religious leader. The thing that I really wanted to point out is that his willingness to openly discuss things that are important to him when it comes to the Bible, which is rare anymore that people would have that sort of—when uh, I say people, I mean uh, celebrities. Celebrities would have a hesitation to bring up their personal beliefs— they don't want to go out there and be looked at as someone that is, I don't know, one-dimensional. I'm, I'm just trying to think of some of the reasonings why they would be afraid to do that. They might be looked at, oh, you're, you're the religious guy, right? Oh, that's it. That's what you're known for, whatever. So I think they may be coached. They may be told that it's not good for them. It's not good for their appearance, their careers to say these sort of things. What I'm impressed with is when— there are true believers that would go out there and say, well, you know, that is not important to me. This is. Now, listening to some of the things Matthew McConaughey is saying right here, I don't, I don't really get the big impression that he is a Bible believer per se. I think he may use it uh, on a more practical level, but nonetheless, I'm just impressed with how he approaches this and at least his, his willingness to say. Of a believer in a world of science, not at the exclusion of science and not at the exclusion of belief. 
Yeah, it's a confusing role for a lot of people if someone is a believer and also a proponent of science um, because they want to know what are your literal beliefs. Like, do, are, are you taking the Bible at its literal word or do you use it as some sort of a guidebook of the experiences of these people that lived thousands of years ago that have been translated from multiple different languages back to English? And is there wisdom in those translations? Is there wisdom in those original thoughts, these thousands of years of people contemplating and, and mulling on these things? And that so many have used these as a scaffolding for morals and ethics and yep. for societies. Yep. It's, a, it's, 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 I mean, you know, for people that go, oh, it's, 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 uh, it's a circus book or people that non-believers. And I'm like, well, it's still the, the, the best one going. Um, there's a lot of great truth. <laughs> oh, it's still the best one going. You know what I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, this is encouraging. Again, you're not going to get your, your theology or you're not going to base your beliefs on Matthew McConaughey. To me, I am just hoping that there are more high profile people that are more willing to talk about what their faith is without the feeling that, you know, I think Hollywood types, they get this idea that they need to be ashamed based on their beliefs, and that's sad. And it becomes a news story when someone comes out and says something like this. I didn't realize this, and I saw this quoted inside of the Blaze article. According to a report from 2014, if you look at Academy Award acceptance speeches, over 750 acceptance speeches in the last 30 years. This is going back to 2014, though. How many times would you say God was thanked in those 750-plus Academy Award acceptance speeches? Just 30 years, 750 award speeches. How many times was God thanked? The answer is 14 14 times over the last 30 years, dating back to 2014. It says, well, you know, starting at, that's when the report came out. One of those times was Matthew McConaughey, who thanked God during one of his acceptance awards, where he said, first off, I want to thank God because that's who I look up to. He's graced my life with opportunities that I know are not from my hand or any other human hand, he said after receiving the award. Isn't that good? That's nice. You just do not see that whatsoever. He also was talking a little bit about the Hollywood. You know, here's here's what happens in Hollywood. Have you encountered difficulty expressing this uh, in Hollywood? You know, Hollywood is uh, <laughs> predominantly left-wing and very secular or Jewish in some circles, but it's not like a place where Christian fundamental values are espoused openly. You know, a lot, a lot of Jewish folks are in Hollywood, and that seems to be okay with a lot of people. But some other religions, particularly if you're a fundamentalist Christian or if you have Christian values, a lot of people frown upon that. Why, why, why do you think that is, and have you, have you had difficulties with that? I don't know. I, I haven't had difficulties. I have had... <laughs> and I won't throw any people under the bus, but I have had. Um, you know, I like that little laugh. He goes <laughs> moments where I was on stage receiving an award in front of my peers in Hollywood, and 
there were people in the crowd that I have prayed with before dinners many times. And when I thank God, I saw some of those people go to clap, but then notice that, whoa, whoa, it's going to be a bad thing on my resume, and then sit back on their hands. <laughs> oh, wow. And I've seen people read the room and go, whoa, that wouldn't bode well for me in the future. Mm. If for getting a job or getting votes or what have you. Yeah. Um, I have seen that. I've witnessed that. Um, I don't I don't judge him for it. I just wish, you know, that that, that, that it seems like a silly argument. There's. Yeah, he's right. It seems like a silly argument in the sense that eh, do you really. How much do you believe it then? And I just want to say again, he's not someone I look at for theology. I'm not going to go into deep thought and ask, hey, Matthew McConaughey, help me walk through this, even though it would be a fun conversation. Um, you know, when it comes to you and your soul and what you believe, those are some pretty serious things. The fact that he is willing to talk about it publicly when he's part of a group of people, the sense being celebrity, that and he even mentions it right there. So many of them are so afraid they want to read the room and see if it's okay to do it first, uh, that he's just more than more or less wanting to just, hey, I'm freely going to talk about this and get it out there and discuss it because this is what I believe. Good for him. Good for him. And I'm glad he's doing it. And I learned something new about him. 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America, KMOX. News Radio 1120, KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. You will be happy to know I just finished the KMOX Halloween Spooktacular and I'm going to be sending it over, getting it ready to air on Thursday night. So if you were a Jim White fan, if you listened to Jim White, there's a uh, listener by the name of John Reber who messaged me and said he had some old archive Jim White specials saved, some uh, things like the Halloween Spooktacular. We know that uh, Jim White really enjoyed that. And I said, oh, I would love to get a copy. And he said, okay. The next thing I know, he's sending them my way. I'm getting copies of the Halloween Spooktacular. And here we are today. We're going to make a special out of it. Not so much a special. It's not a special like the radio documentaries where there's a lot of compilations and interviews and things like that. We're just going to replay three hours of one of his Halloween spooktaculars. And I mixed in a couple of uh, surprises for you that I think you're really going to enjoy. We're going to debut it on Thursday night, 8 o'clock here on Overnight America. So that means we're going to have a night where there's no politics. Woo! Uh, isn't that nice? And then after that, uh, I think it'll be replayed on Sunday night or Saturday night, which is Halloween night, which I think you'll enjoy as well. So I've been trying to keep up with everything that's going on on social media and the tech companies and Facebook. Apparently now you can appeal censorship. Oh, thank you, sir. How weird is it that these big tech companies, they go from denying censorship to now saying essentially, well, I guess if you want to, you can argue the times we do censor you. Isn't that a little bit strange? You know, I, I wonder, though, this change, this shift, what does it mean for a Facebook? Mostly because if they're going full-blown, well, at least we're going to give you the option to try to turn the course around of censorship, then are they just going to lean into it more, saying that, well— if since you could technically come out and argue something that we've done, at least there's a method for you to 
bring it up, your grievance against our social media giant. So, hey, we're going to do it more. Uh, Facebook users will be able to appeal platform censorship of some posts on an oversight board within the next few weeks. Fox Business wrote this up. said over the next few weeks, our nearly 3 billion users will have access to an independent review of difficult content decisions, the company said in a blog post. That can't be a fun job. Uh, you, that's got, that cannot be for the weak of mind. There's already people working at uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google and all these places that are constantly, nonstop, going over flagged material and things that may be of sensitive content. I read an article once about, um, I think it was in Arizona, there was a Facebook building, a company that would contract through Facebook, but I don't know if they were directly paid through Facebook. I think they were technically employees, but what their job was to know what the terms of the rules are, things what can and cannot be posted, and then if they saw something that wasn't supposed to be posted, it was blatant, that they would uh, have to take it down. And they said the things that they would see eight hours a day or whatever their shift was, it would be things like violence. It would be things like shootings and beheadings and sexual content and people getting hurt and just real terrible, mind-altering, let's-go-see-a-psychiatrist type of material. And then they would go home, but they would cry, and then they would come back and have to do it again. And they said, man, it, the, the turnover on a job like that is just terrible, the things that they would encounter. So... When I think about some of the times where social media companies start to censor, I think about the difficulty some of the jobs are to have to determine these things. But then I go right back to the idea that the things that we're upset about are not the things that are terrible. The things that we're upset about are the things that they look at as terrible that are actually not terrible, which is a difference in opinion. If someone puts up a political belief, or let's say in the case of Joe Biden, his son Hunter... Uh, laptop and they start putting articles to the New York Post and here's what the New York Post is reporting and here is what they're saying and here's some follow-up and here's some commentary and when things like that start going up and you're getting punished for that that's concerning and scary and strange because then you can question you can question the reasoning for it are they actually the ones that believe they're the arbiters of truth? Are they the ones that ultimately know the answer to everything? Thus, when they go out and say, these are unverified reports, does that mean that all unverified reports are things that they don't post up or just this one? And then again, how do they know it's not true? That They just assume it's not true based on their own biases. So coming that close to an election, are they basically trying to find ways to influence this election based on the influence that they have on the people over them? The the uh, selection bias, the news bias, all of these things that are out there. All of these are real concerns. So I don't know what kind of things these boards are going to be looking at. When they say a board, is it just going to be a computer that automatically denies you? Yeah, stock price for Facebook, $284 a share. Twitter's at $50 a share. And Twitter, Facebook, they're all facing their own questioning from the government right now, just like Google is, is going through some pretty big changes. They got a big antitrust lawsuit that's uh, up around the corner. They're just too powerful. Uh, some people look at them, and it's not an unreasonable thing for them to 
question the amount of um, power that a giant tech company like them has. So they have the two largest search engines, first one being Google.com, the second one being YouTube.com. And I heard some legal analysts, I believe it was on CBS News, that said that if Facebook ends up losing this one, that they could sell off YouTube. Now, would that be a good or bad thing? Probably a good thing. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but look at it this way, too. I saw this Rasmussen poll that asked social media users and people in general if what they believe there, what they say they believe there, and if they'd like for them to go away. So this is fascinating because I think most people do not look at social media favorably. If you're under 20, then it's the greatest thing on earth. Oh, I can go on TikTok and see a video of someone doing a stupid dance, and oh, isn't that great? But once you get up to a certain age, you look at it in, in, more or less as an evil entity. It's someone that gets um, fear from these companies learning everything about you, mining and selling your information, your private data, profiling you, and using it as a way to discriminate against you. Um, these are all very concerning things. So most adults, like, let's say, let's see, one-third, 33% of U.S. likely voters rarely or ever use social media like Facebook and Twitter. And those that do, let's say the 33, uh, well, I guess uh, the 66, uh, 67% left, say that 79% um, of those left that actually use it say that they do not believe most things they read on social media. More than seven times as many voters distrust social media. Just 11% of voters say that they use social media, believe most of what they read there. Doesn't that go back against some of the things that they tried to pin on most people? Oh, you just probably believe everything that's on. Uh, uh, you probably believe everything about Joe Biden and all the memes and all the things like that. You know, social media is good at putting up little one-liners that have very re no relevance into truth. Um, it's good to note that most people believe that those things are not truthful or relevant. That's good. Only 7% of the nation's likely voters say that social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter have a good impact on politics. 7% believe it's a good impact. 61% say the impact on politics as a bad. 28% say neither, and 3% say not sure. Um, U.S. politics rose 51% uh, three years ago to 61%, having a bad impact. So more and more people look at it as a negative, as the way it should, because it is negative, and it's not good. But one thing I also read about this whole Google antitrust thing, and as the government sues them for the power and the abuse of power, the thing they mentioned was even if there's a changing of the guards and there is a Biden administration that pops in, that it's most likely going to continue. This thing isn't going away. It's almost, uh, it's, it's almost a thing that Republicans and Democrats, and even based on the numbers here, would tend to believe most of them do believe that there are problems here, that they cannot self-govern or self-police, and they need to be addressed because otherwise it's never going to happen. All right, one more segment left coming up on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. So it is technically now Monday, so the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation process should be happening later tonight. And that is a good thing. I'm very much looking forward to her getting on to the Supreme Court. They have the votes. It'll uh, happen. Who knows how 
the Democrats will protest this, if at all, and then we'll see where it goes from there. This close to the election, just see how much um, craziness will be surrounded by it, if it's something that will be taken or not. But I'm going to guess it's something that's not going to be taken all that well. So that's one of the things in the burner. We got a lot of different guests that I have scheduled for Monday night. So Rich Rubino is a big friend of ours. He joins us on Mondays. I have uh, Nini Harris is going to join us. We've had her on a couple of different times. Fantastic local author here in St. Louis, and she'll talk about her most recent book that's out. And David Harson, he's someone that wrote an article that mentioned that if you look at straight polling, now without getting too much into adjusting for things, that Joe Biden is polling lower than where Hillary Clinton is polling. And I thought, wow, that's a fascinating way to look at it. So even if you were to use the same goalposts, and say, okay, here's where the polling was wrong and whatever. If the same polling agencies are continuing to use the same methodology and they're using it as a way to call it for Joe Biden, if for some reason you were to look at it and say, well, if Joe Biden's actually doing worse than Hillary Clinton, what does that indicate when it comes to the ones that are going to go out and vote for Donald Trump. So he wrote an article about that, and it was pretty fascinating. So I asked him to be on the show. He's going to join us later tonight. I am so much uh, looking forward to that. All right, joining us is someone that I know and love. He's someone that you hear all the time on the show. His name is Kevin Colleen, and being that it is a Halloween week, he visits a famous haunted house in Soulard. Now, I don't think this is featured inside of Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular, but still it might be a great preview leading up to it. Some people really get creeped out. I don't know why. I know there's some kind of... uh... Uh, is this house haunted? Are there ghosts? Oh, it's been it's been on the news. It's the Max Fierbacher Mansion at 12th and Sydney in Soulard, the red brick home with those two white lions on pedestals by the front door. Max owned the pre-prohibition Green Tree Brewery here, and his home was lavish. Marble fireplaces, chandeliers, a carved oak staircase. Tom Mick is the youngest son of the family that has lived there since 1981. Once, when he was alone in the house downstairs, he heard something upstairs. There was uh, something up there that would be making noise. I'd actually hear footsteps. Another time, Tom says he had a collision in the hallway with a dark blob of some sort. I was coming from the uh, restroom area over there, and right about as soon as I came through that door there, it, it was just a complete, it just got so much darker, just, just like walking into a dark, dark fog, and it, we actually passed through each other. I mean, and I'm getting chills right now, goosebumps right now. Nothing happened, but I, it took so much out of me, I started going down to my knees, and, but it was just like we just both cross through each other, and I believe I scared it as much as it scared me. As for seeing ghosts, Tom says he's never seen anything, but years ago his brother was in the dining room. He kind of heard a noise, and when he looked over there, there was a, a guy dressed in the period clothes for that time with the, like, top hat and everything. He, he looked away, and, and when he looked back, it was uh, gone. The mansion also features a pipe organ in the parlor, which his mother used to play to practice for her work as a church organist. The family is hoping that 
Some new owners will come along who will get past the idea of the ghosts. I think whatever it is, is friendly. And he hopes the new owners will make the house alive again. I would really like to see, uh, you know, whoever does purchase it, bring it back to its true life. With a whole other story, at the Max Fierbacher Mansion, I'm Kevin Kalina. Got fear right in the name. I don't know what you're expecting with something like that. Good old Kevin Colleen with another great whole nother story. As I uh, keep an eye on the clock, I notice that daylight saving time will be ending this week. So what, this weekend before the election, we get a little extra hour to worry about the election. Isn't that nice? Uh, join me on Facebook, Ryan Wrecker Radio. We're going to be back again tonight starting at 8 o'clock. I hope to talk to you then and really 8 o'clock all this week. Uh, also on Twitter, at Ryan Recker. If you wanted to message me on either of those, it's always good to communicate and uh, tell your friends about it. Go download the podcast, listen to the podcast, do it all there, and we'll see you later tonight. Have a good one. Bye. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.